County. You're not going to believe it. He's back. Back in the saddle again. But, do I sound like him? Does that sound we like all, Aerosmith? Well, before he left, we recorded a couple episodes and we sort of snuck those in in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. But the house has been quiet. St. John's <laughs> has been full of visiting priests. Yeah, I've noticed. And what did they move? They move everything? <laughs> no, they just didn't. You know, sometimes they didn't clean up after themselves. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, Father Kerry Wakulich has returned. I am back. Triumphant. Woo! He lost 50 pounds. I, that I didn't. He, oh. I think I put on like 20. He <laughs> has a, a tan. I do have a tan. A tan. This is from fishing in Louisiana. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So, uh, I thought today we could just get like a rehash. A rehash? Of what? Oh my gosh. So, we, we talked about, I mean, months ago now, like why priests take sabbaticals. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. And sort of their purpose. And yep. so, I'd be interesting to know, you know, was that purpose fulfilled? Was it all that you thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, well, um, first things first, uh, thanks for being a priest and uh, hanging out in Stillwater and making sure. Me? Yeah, you you were oh. here and you were the emergency contact. Uh, oh. You and Father Healy, it was like, it, on my voicemail, it said, I'm on sabbatical. If this is an emergency, contact Father Brian O'Brien at St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church or the Diocese of Tulsa. Peace. The only thing we got pulled in on... There were no emergencies, to my knowledge. Was the piece of roof that came off this? No, the- not even, because Father Porter, you know, was here for all of June. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he handled everything. So basically in July, the only thing I got pulled in on was some some sacramental records. Oh, yeah. Italy. I had to sign I had to sign off on uh, oh, yeah, people right. were, re- were requesting, requesting a baptismal certificate. And so. In July. But it has to have a, it has to have the pastor's. Signature. So I actually put on there. So I wrote my name, and then I thought, well, I'm not the pastor, but I am. So I put Vicar for Rain of the Ooh. Western Vicariate. Relic that. So there. Anyway, yeah, I thought, I, well, the more authority there is, the better. Yeah. So, so that's really I, the only thing. Yep. I, well, I'm ready to get back into it. It's I, you know, I started, um, you know, the week of the the tenth. I know this is the 17th right now. I started the week at the 10th and started jumping back into ministry and we're ready for welcome week. Clay Furley and the staff and um, Blake and Rita and Irene. Your missionaries, and, focused missionaries yeah, Kimberly are here. And, I mean, the whole staff just uh, just did awesome while I was gone. Like they they managed themselves. And you, there were lots of tours that were given too. I heard, I heard that. You know, a lot of people stopping by yeah. St. John's. Yeah, um, it was just magnificent. I went uh, to a wedding there. That was cool. Amanda you? and Chris Petrin oh, got yeah. married. That's right. And then what was the other thing? No, that was about it. Okay. I would stop by every once in a while and see Brett and Taylor. And yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, okay, before we talk about your sabbatical, we tell us, will you tell us about Welcome Week? Okay, Welcome Week. Well, so lots of good stuff yeah, coming up if you are a student at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you can uh, go to catholicpokes.com or Building Saints. Just type that in and um, it goes to St. John. And then, or on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You got or, your Twitter back, I saw. I Yeah, I did. I, Clay told me I needed to get it, but I still can't get the password on 
on the X. For about two years, there was the Catholic Pope's Twitter feed was inactive. Was silent. Because Father Kerry couldn't remember the password. <laughs> <laughs> so I got all that squared away. <laughs> so it starts the 19th. The 19th with sand volleyball. I think we're playing here at St. Francis Xavier. Do you, do you guys have a sand volleyball court I don't know about? Um, no, you do, and oh, we're using yours. And I know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then Sunday, the 20th, is when masses start back up and students supper and all of that beautiful jazz. Um, and then this is at the corner of Miller and Knobloch. We're not bouncing around to different buildings. No more bouncing. And then the 21st to the 27th is all just welcome week events. All sorts of school starts on, on the 21st, on Monday the 21st, uh, with a big old cookout. And then we just start going. Dodge so what else ball. is in Welcome Week? Welcome Week um, on the first uh, on the twenty first Monday is a, a big cookout in the evening. I want to go with mass prior to that, and then Tuesday there's dodgeball and pizza. And on Wednesday there's our there nine oh nine candle mass with a cookout and bonfire and snacks oh. afterward. Thursday's a game night at St. John, and then Friday the twenty fifth is the luau uh, oh. at the Focus Missionaries House. Then Saturday is the um, the pool party, and then Sunday masses and stuff start over again. Yeah, there's a lot of exciting wow. stuff going That's on. That's a so, good week, right? So there. our welcome week, our welcome week, Firenze, not fiasco. I have a few names for you. Oh, do you? Yeah, I love that. Well, a new family just registered here. Okay, they have a freshman at OSU. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm give you. Send me the deets. And then we start RCA. RCA starts up, and I just called some students yesterday and was like, you were on our list the last couple of years to become Catholic or grow in your faith life. Do you still want to do that? And they were like, yeah. yeah. Actually, thanks. Thanks for calling, yeah, Father. Exactly. So Get it? It is. It is. That's amazing. It's running. That's awesome. It's, a, it's beautiful, and we're, we're in the building, and there's aches and pains and beautiful stuff simultaneously. We should do a whole show on that. The aches and pains of a new building. Oh, my the gosh. Glories, the glories, of which there are many. Yeah. And the aches and pains. The, a piece of our roof was found in the Casamia parking lot when that big For windstorm. For example. When that big windstorm came through. But I didn't even and know your about electric it. bill. Oh, bro. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. We'll, we'll talk oh. about that later. Okay. So you went on, you were gone for all of June and all of July. Yeah, yeah. I had a, uh, so my sabbatical began the Saturday night, I had a wedding of two students, and uh, that wedding was on June 3rd, Saturday, June 3rd. Yeah. And then Sunday, June 4, I had to be in Tallahassee, Florida. So I already knew I was going to be driving. I remember, that was a... So I yes. drove, I drove, to, I don't, I have the ability to just sit behind the wheel, and I break it up like a little monastery. You know, I, I break it up where I have like... <laughs> I have an hour of listening to an audiobook, an hour of silent. You know, I pray the rosary. Oh, that's nice. And then I listen to some music and I do some. And so I break it up like that. And then I get out and I call it the Justin Hall Memorial Stretch. He was one of my classmates in seminary. And we used to go on these wild road trips together all over the country. And we used to get out every three hours and stretch and like jump around. And so I'd, you know, be in the middle of nowhere and check out the stars. But anyway, I just drove and it's the same route I drove to do some fundraising trips. So I've I've made this trip. It's to, a familiar route. It is, and I can I can probably put my car on auto drive because I know the route it takes through Memphis, where to get off, where to drive past the. I don't think the FedEx auto drive is a real thing. It should be, and then how to get through through southern you know get through Mississippi and Alabama down to the Florida coast and you know where to where's yep. Crestview yep. and okay so All then right, so you left here. 
And then I and got you went to, to Florida for what purpose? Uh, to go to the John Paul II Institute for Healing and the Spiritual Life. And someone said, "Sounds lame." Someone said, "Is that priest rehab?" And I was like, "No, there, there were actually." <laughs> it does kind of sound like priest rehab. The, the first, well, when we got there, the first week of the of the institute, there was eighteen of us um, priests and seminarians that were there for this four week sabbatical program. What were they addicted to? Uh, they were not addicted to anything. Okay. Uh, but then there was there was sixty. We went to the local Hilton in Tallahassee. They had it all set up, big conference room, and there were sixty people from around the country who were also there for a Theology of the Body conference. That was the first week of our sabbatical. So it was like John Paul II, human sexuality, um, you know, working. Oh, in, you went to that? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was the first week of our sabbatical program was like, you know, working with your wounds and your brokenness and then like um, inviting God's grace into those parts of your life where it you need a lot of healing. And so it was just, it was both an education. It was like a spiritual conference and there's like counselors and psychologists there and religious sisters like Dr. Bob Schutz sort of runs the show. And that's then not so, his real name. Um, Bob. I'm just kidding. Uh, they called him linebacker Bob because he was a oh, really Big he was dude? a he played it. He I think he played at North Carolina, oh, played football. Okay. And his brother, you know, his brother Bart. I didn't realize this. We were having a conversation. Bart shoots. And he was a starting offensive lineman for Florida State University back in the glory days oh. when OU and Florida State in like With 88 Dion? 88 Dion, 89. Dion, well, him, him and Primetime used to have lockers next to each other, he said. Oh. So they like knew each other in college. Yeah. Oh. So so this is All right, uh, so you're at this retreat. How long were you there? No, Primetime played for Miami, didn't he? He played for Florida State. Played, okay. Yeah. Um which is welcome Colorado University now of Colorado. Now he's the Colorado coach, coach. That's in the Big 12. Yeah. Go Pokes. So this is go Pokes. Uh so this was it was a great program because then it was a um it was a retreat after that. So this is what I was looking at. I was like, I need some education. I need a retreat. I need to pray through some stuff in my life and just like re not reignite but like Lord, remember that book we were reading, Strength to Strength, uh, Finding your finding yes. Yourself in the Second Half of Life? Yes. Arthur like, Brooks. Check it out. Yeah, it's a great book. It's a great book for anybody. If you're over who, 40, you should read it. If you're over 40, realize that the best years are behind you. Well. But no, no, no. no hold on. So, uh, yeah, you have to qualify. Your best years are behind you. Like, you know, anybody who won a Pulitzer or made some, like, like some decisive, like, big event, all their credit was given to them from the work that they had from 20 to basically 30. When your brain power is at the highest. Um, uh, well, Leonardo DiCaprio, someone said recently that he got his Emmys and Golden Globes, not because of the work he did in this movie, but the work he had done for 10 years prior to that. And, you know, it, it, uh, Arthur Brooks, it was great because he's like, you need to go from this fluid intelligence to crystallized intelligence. And, you need, and I was like, this actually makes sense. Totally. Uh, and you come back, and so I wanted to come back from the sabbatical sort of with this new vision of how to be a priest at the age of 47. And as um, a buddy of mine who, like, encouraged me to go on sabbatical, you know, after our conversation here on the couch in the rectory with that priest from Bismarck, from Dakota, that my buddy yeah. said, he goes, I'm the CEO of a big chemical company. They live down in Georgia somewhere. And he said, I'm the CEO of a big chemical company. And my job as CEO is I do vision and strategic and emerging markets. He said, you as a pastor do 15 things. 
I don't worry about a day. I don't worry about like the times the trains are arriving to pick up our cargo and put it on a train and send it up up the east coast of New York. I, I'm not worried about like ships coming into the harbor in Savannah and things going out. Like other people do that. I just do emerging markets and strategic planning and making sure we take care of this this. So you do all of this stuff, and I need you to like think like a pastor and shepherd again. I'm like, done. Wow. So that's the sort of mentality. So I, I thought this this uh, program, this sabbatical program they have for four weeks for priests would be really beneficial to me, and it super was because it was it, it was praying even like growing in daily health. So I'll give you three little things that I got out of it. Um, one. Um, the Lord Jesus is in a continuous progress of healing us. You know, I thought I had done everything. Well, and I found, you know, I found one of my friends dead at 18 from alcohol poisoning. Um, you and, did? Yeah, yeah. You didn't, I t- you know this. You're in my pre-support group. You can say I don't know this, but you've heard it before. Oh. Um, you know, I found him. And the night before, I, I tried to take him to the hospital and no one would let me. Oh. So I carried this guilt with guilt. me. Yeah. yeah, I carried this guilt with me for you know, from 18 to basically 45 when I started working on it, I was like, why do I have this savior complex? Why why do I have this guilt if like people are not being saved? Like if they're losing their faith, like that's like them dying. Why do I have this guilt? And it all came back to that, like that sort, and I sort of acted out of that broken. So I saw this whole opportunity this summer at the JP2 Institute as more like physical therapy for my soul. It's like, getting everything back in working order and like dealing with the injuries and then learning how to even live. Like St. Paul says, I got this thorn in my flesh. Yeah, that's going to be there. And I just have to be aware of it. So one, that the Lord Jesus is always healing us. You know, every time he goes into a town and a village, it says he began by healing the people. Um, two, that this understanding of identity as a son of the heavenly father. So things would kind of, you know, like you're working with some students and all of a sudden they lose their faith and they disappear or, you know, um, something goes tragically wrong in, in the life of a student or even a ministry, it just doesn't go well. And I was like, Lord, I've been praying for this person. And I actually spent time three days on a retreat praying about what you wanted me to do. And you did this and Lord, it all fell apart. And I was like, and I heard this the, the same voice I've heard for years. And it, and it and the voice said this. It was the voice of the Heavenly Father, and it was very gentle and very kind, and it said, it's because your identity is in performance and work. Ooh. And not, and, and, and this is it, and not as my son. I was like, oh, no. Wow. Because then I had a meditation later that je- day of John chapter 6, where there's like twelve to 15,000 people, Jesus feeds them, and then he gives the Eucharistic discourse, and then what happens? Everybody leaves except the 12 apostles, and the, 12, and the 12 apostles are still like, we don't believe the what you said. It's too hard. Who yeah, can yeah. accept it? Everybody leaves. And I was like, that would have crushed me. That would have, like, if, if, if I showed up Sunday, and it does, like, every semester, we probably lose 300 college students within the first two months. They just disappear wherever. And it always crushes me. Like, it, it's like, it's disappointing in myself. It's like, what did I not do? And um, I heard the Heavenly Father say, 
my son still lost people. Even though he is God, they looked right at him and it, people still left. And I was like, okay. If the Savior of the world can't seem to get everybody on. Yeah, God doesn't, we say God doesn't like force himself. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, it's like if he can't convince them to follow him, then what? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm alone for the ride. And, and the third thing is this. The third thing I got out of this um, was, was this. I was, I was having this beautiful meditation about, the, um, about priest as father and relationship with the father on my silent retreat. And I heard the voice of the Heavenly Father say, I don't need a priest that's cool. I don't need a priest that's fun. I don't need a priest that's a dad. I don't need a priest that you want to be. I need you to be a priest that shows the face of the Heavenly Father to the world. I was like, oh. oh. And I was like, okay, okay, what? And he says, yes, there, he said, yes, Carrie, there are dad issues, but they need to see the face of the Father. Show them the face of the Father, and that will be enough for them. And I sort of like, okay, so how do, how do I do that, Heavenly Father? It's like, you need to be in a constant relationship with my Son and the Holy Spirit. So if you're bound up in the Holy Spirit in this, I, I drew a little picture of the flux capacitor. You know, I was like, what makes time travel possible in the back of that DeLorean? 1.28 gigawatts? 1.28. 1.21 gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts. That you, you know, like get that from a lightning strike and no one knows when that's going to happen. And he like pulls out the piece of paper and he's like, oh, the flux capacitor. It's what makes time travel possible. So I drew this like little flux capacitor, a little feedback loop. And I was like, this is what I need to do. I always need to stay in union with the Holy is this Spirit. Your homily for Trinity Sunday? Uh-uh, uh-uh. And I need to abide. And that's what the yes. word is like. You need to abide in this. And if you abide in this, and I have even felt moments, like when I, when I, I'm real, like I remember stopping at a Lowe's, uh, not a Lowe's, a Love's gas station at like, oh, maybe like 1.30 in the morning in the middle of nowhere, like Carolinas. And I just walked in and I could see people in there and I just started like praying for them. Like, uh, like without even like, I didn't like, why well, should I start praying for that person? And it was just abiding in the Holy Trinity in this relationship of divine love and then wanting to give that away of, of talking to someone at a counter. I um, mean, not just standing, you know, not just standing there and staring at them and like swiping my credit card, but like engaging them in a conversation um, for two to three minutes yeah, about the beauty of life and, and just, talking to them about their tattoos and their scars and then yeah and just doing that so it was that was um so that's the john paul ii institute wow of 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 that and there's tons more of like praying with people okay so then i left there and i zoomed up the east coast to raleigh north carolina i saw emma whitaker her and i went to mass in raleigh one morning um i drove in um and then had uh, her, and then her and I had breakfast the next day, and we like walked around and saw the capital of Raleigh. And then I went up to Washington D.C. and saw my buddy Sean, and spent five days with my best buddy Chuck, and 
went to some old old things of like different battlefields and mountain biking where I used to like to hang out. Went to old Langley Air Force Base, saw where I used to work. Went to the old cha- went to the church where I got my priestly vocation, where I knew I was supposed oh. to be a priest. And also, I lied to the priest right there too. He he asked me if I if I wanted to be a priest, and I said no. No. You're a liar. And inside I was like, I totally get this and I, I think I want to be a brace. Anyway, so did that. And then this then I went to Ireland from there. So I went from Richmond and flew up to New York City, New York City to Dublin, spent five days with the with the Dominicans in in Dublin and just walked Dublin. Went to museums. And there was this one occasion where it was really funny. I uh I'm in this museum of natural history in Dublin. And they have this beautiful museum, but I don't know any Irish history. So I walked over to a guy and uh, he was sitting down in a chair and he had a name tag on and a blue shirt, just like everybody else that worked there. And he was sitting there and he was sort of staring like that direction, like kind of off in the distance. And I said, uh, excuse me, sir, um, I have a question. And he kind of like looked over at me with this like snarky look on his face, like, what are you bothering me for? And he goes, Oh, and then he cussed. Oh, beep. You're a priest. And he stood up. And I was like, have you never seen a priest before? He's like, well, Father, not out in not out in the in the in out the, the wild. He goes, not out in the blacks, just running around town. And I said, Well, I am. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, you don't sound like you're from here. So this is a terrible Irish accent, by the way. Um and so he gave me a tour of the museum. It was just a great conversation because there's a lot of anti-Catholicism in Ireland going on right now. You know, the uh, in 1970, it's reported that 97% of, of Irish people went to mass every Sunday. And now that's 3%. Uh, last, I was told last year they ordained three people. Two of them were bishops and one was a priest. Um, th- their, their entire country is half the size of the state of Oklahoma and they have 26 dioceses. And one of those dioceses, Donegal up north, right, where north and south start, um, it has 56 Catholic churches in the one county. Wow. And they're not ordaining any priests anytime soon. Um, so that is that, – that. so I got to see Dublin and go down to St. Kevin's Monastery. And then I got to do something really fun that I, lo- I love doing, drinking beer. And uh, – I, I introduced some people into the song B double E double R U N B run B double E. You don't know that jam? I've never heard that before. Oh, that's a good old country jam. It's like, um, it, it has like a 10 and some keys and a sober driver. That's the, that's the line. It's like a, a 10 of keys and a sober driver beer run. You need a sober driver. So I would do, I would go to different pubs. Like I sent you the picture of the slattery. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I wonder what Bishop Slattery has been doing. After our ordaining bishop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would just go to the, the long hall. I'd, people, I would say, where's the best Guinness in town? Uh, okay, okay. So if you're, if you're going to is Ireland. Is Guinness like different from place to place? Well, they say. So this is a little, little, little side note. They all taste the same, by the way. Yeah. Except, except, except. Did you go to the brewery? I did not. But I had a Guinness at a Burger King in Dublin Airport. Come uh, on. Yeah, yeah. And the guy poured it, and he, he was an Indian guy. And he, as he's pouring it, he says, um, I'll let it sit. I was like, just pour it all. And he's like, I'm not allowed to do that. Like, there are rules to pouring a Guinness, and you have to follow them. I'm just and, more intrigued the cost, by the Guinness at the Burger King. And, the, and it's, the cost is the same all over the country. 
every pub I went into, the same price for Guinness. Like you can't charge. So I went into some really cool little pubs. Anyway, then um, at the end of that time, by the way, um, you all should do some research on the Catholic faith in Ireland uh, of most of the churches are only 150 years old because that is when the penal laws were removed, mm-hmm. especially against Catholics owning land. Like you couldn't, if you own land, you couldn't pass it on to your children. It would be given to a Protestant family and they would move onto your land and then you would pay them for the rental fees. Your kids would. So, um, it, it's just wild. The, that's I, why I, everybody wanted to, all the Catholics wanted out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To, come to the United States uh-huh. where there was religious uh-huh. freedom. Yeah. There's even some writing. That's um, how my people got here. There's some, there's some writing. Anyway, just some interesting stuff. So then I went to Medjugorje with a group of Irish pilgrims. What country is that in? Uh, that's in Bosnia, Herzegovina. So it's like, if you look at Italy on a map and then go to the east, you hit Croatia. And then Bosnia, Herzegovina is the country with Sarajevo, Kosovo, and down the road there. That's all the, all those countries are together there. And Medjugorje, and so I w- I'm going to say right off the bat, I believe that the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared in Medjugorje. Do I have an opinion on the ongoing apparitions? I do not. So don't ask me um, if I have an opinion you on that. defensive. I, I, I know, because every time I would say Medjugorje, people would be like, oh, so the ongoing apparitions, like they can't, it's not settled. It's like, yeah, that, so it's, there's a, like a, it's a bit of a, in the church world, it, it's a place of great pilgrimage. It's yeah, been yeah. a place of great conversion. Even uh-huh. People here in our own parish. But it's also a kind of a source of, of current controversy. Yeah, yeah. Over whether Mary is still appearing. Yeah, appearing to individuals. So yeah. I don't have an opinion on yeah. that. I even went to one of the houses of the visionaries and a vision occurred while I was there. And I have no opinion on it. I, 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 you didn't see it? I, I didn't. I have no opinion on that. Did something happen in 1981 when the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared there? Yes, because it is a place of like, the young people have this word and the word is drippy, which means like this clothing is drippy, but it also it also means like it oozes. Like, oh my gosh, this thing is really drippy. Well, it oozes holiness. Like you go there and it sort of clings to you and sticks to you. Like you step in and there's thousands of people arriving every day and buses and buses and airplanes and buses and buses and people are going out. But it just like, it's so like, there's something about it of its holiness. And I've been to six of the eight approved Marian apparitions. And this place is definitely different. Uh, Banu, Barang, Fatima, Lourdes, Guadalupe, Champion, Wisconsin. I've been to those six, Japan, Africa, maybe I'll go, who knows? This place is different, and there's something about it, and there's massive conversions, and there's 40 priests hearing confessions for two to three hours in eight different languages. I mean, uh, did I, you go? You went, you did not go there like as a, I mean, to hear confessions. I went there as a pilgrim. Like, yeah. I, I tell yeah. people, I think I, that's a distinction. Like, priests, priests also, you know, we, we can go, we go to visit a religious site, not necessarily to help yeah. out. Uh huh. I, so I told them, I said, I'm not in charge of butts or guts. I'm not in charge of finding people bathrooms or feeding them. Just remember that. I'm here to pray. Yeah. 
And if I get need to hear confessions, I'll do that. So I had two two hours in English and Spanish every day. Oh. So then I flew back, flew Ireland, back to Richmond, and then road trip through the Smokies, the Blue Ridge Mountains of uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Went to Chattanooga to the Medal of Honor Museum, which I encourage people to go. Zip down and went to. Um, Birmingham, Alabama, to the Civil Rights Museum to see. I wanted to see the jail and the interior schools. Like they have two different schools, like white school, black school, uh, white restaurant, black restaurant. It's a beautiful museum in uh, Birmingham. So I encourage people oh. to go if you're going through Birmingham. And then went out to Tuscaloosa to see the um, uh, University of Alabama and had hung out with some focused missionaries and had dinner with them. And then drove down to New Orleans, picked up Father Gail Hammerschmidt, went to Grand Isle, Louisiana, and fished for five days fished for five days and then finished it off by going to see Ginu Burnham receive her first vows. Sister Stana Marie from Pond Creek, Oklahoma is Sister Stana Marie. First vows, bam, St. Louis. And then came on back and I started working just the other day, tiptoeing in my chacos into the waters of ministry. You haven't really tiptoed. I'm more, I took a swan dive in. So, <laughs> was it all you thought it would be? And more. And more. I didn't plan, okay. I only planned locations to go to, and then showed up. And just let it. And just let the Holy let Spirit it, run the show. Happen. Let it happen. And I mean, you're, you're rested? Do you feel <sighs> rested? Yeah? I like butter on a hot sidewalk in Houston. Just a puddle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's an analogy I've never heard. I just made it up. Okay. Like a butter on a hot sidewalk in Houston. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome back. Hey, thanks, dude. It's been good. It's been real beautiful. Exciting. Yeah, so thanks for praying for me and yeah. leading the show around. Signing here. Sacramental Records. Uh-huh. It was hard. My, there were like five of them. It was hard. Yeah, I'm really thankful to the diocese for letting me go and Father Castle and the bishop and, you know. The- yeah, it is kind of a... And Father Porter, you know, yeah, jumped yeah, yeah. in back in... June. Webb and Griner. Yeah, other priests that jumped in to make it yeah. make it possible. Alright, well, we're back to normal Ooh, here in Payne County. Come see us. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>